Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of Jamie Sports News Podcast. Bennett Conlin joined by Jack Patrick and Ben Hofer, right? He's muted. That's awkward. That's awkward. Someone sabotaged me, I swear. That is correct. (laughs) And I'm excited today. It's a big day. Yeah, International Signing Day. So it's the the early signing period. We'll be talking with some recruiting with Ben. Uh, We got some other football stuff on the docket. And then eventually we'll get into hoops later down the road. But I think this will be good. Probably the most recruiting coverage we've ever had. This is big time. It's been a it's been a wild journey of a day, um, and you know that it's near Christmas time because Bennett is in a new location and sounds all echoey, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's like really echoey. Yeah, uh, but before we have we have a loaded show, so we don't want to beat around the bush too much. We'll dive right into you know the housekeeping stuff, everything we have to read uh, from Bet Online. It's the, all the major sports are in action this week. College football playoffs ready to kick off. Bowl season is here. And Bet Online continues to be your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's promo code B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts and where tailgating starts and, you know, brewery hopping starts, Three Notch Valley Collab House. That's right. They have Minuteman Mondays, three dollar Minuteman pours on <laughs> Tuesdays. You can have all cases. You think one day Bennett would know this ad read? Not today. And uh, first half Friday, of course, on Friday. So we're excited to be working with with Three Notch again this year. Best beer in Virginia. Many people are saying. Yeah, Three Notch is a great time. And our friends over at Christopher William Jewelers. Some are saying it's both glamorous and laid back. There's a reason Christopher William Jewelers has been voted best of Virginia year after year. It's not just one thing that sets us apart. It's everything. It's the selection, extensive and unmatched, with every engagement ring, loose diamond, and fashion jewelry chosen for quality and brilliance. It's the service. From our diamond experts to our master goldsmith, our team shares a passion for what they do, and it shows. It's the atmosphere, both glamorous and laid back. See for yourself why people can't stop talking about Christopher William Jewelers in Harrisonburg and we cave yeah so we have a big one a big episode we have kj flow of jmu recruit just committed today uh scheduled to come on we have jc evans as well coming on a quarterback from miami kind of a surprise recruit flip. today a flip we saw a few flips today kj flow was not a flip he's a safety out of charlotte north carolina he has been part of that class for quite some time now uh and his impact on jmu will be big. KJ, how are you doing on this Wednesday? How y'all doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for uh, taking the time out of what I imagine has been a a fun day for you, a whirlwind of a day for you. Can you take us through why JMU in the first place? The real question is why not JMU? The fan base (laughs) is crazy. Uh, The coaches, uh, the environment, and it's a winning program. I trust in Coach Tesney. I trust in Burns, and I'm ready to go up there and win some ball. That's awesome. I was curious to your process with, with the coaching change. Obviously, you, you can understand that change. What was it like getting to know Chesney and I guess the uncertainty of, of that process here in the last few weeks? Uh, the process was good. Uh, it was a rough process at first because uh, he had to get in. Uh, he had to meet the team that was already there and everything. So 
it was a little shaky at first, but I waited out. I trusted it. Like I said, we win and we got good coaches. So I like, and I like Coach Tedney. He's a winner. So ready to win some ball. Can you just kind of introduce yourself to Jamie Nation a little bit? I know a lot of people love you on Twitter. A lot of people uh, like yes, you sir. engage a lot with the fan base and everything, but just kind of, so you're a, a DB safety commit. Just kind of tell yes, us, um, you're at one point committed to West Virginia. Um, just kind of tell us what kind of player you are and what you're going to bring to Jamie. All right. So I know it says safety, like, as like I'm committed as a safety, but I'm a DB. I can play everywhere. Uh, I'm interchangeable. Uh, I can play anywhere in the back end, nickel, safety corner. I think that's why, that's what makes me so good. And I'm vocal. So I'm a team player. I get people lined up. So yeah. And, uh, what's, I mean, I was being Jamie was my first offer. So it's all love. So that's awesome. And. You went to high school in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm currently in Charlotte as well. So the high school sports scene around here is pretty, pretty deep. There's a, there's a good amount of Charlotte kids uh, going across the Sun Belt. How did that high school experience and, and what you've done going to the state championship, taking a few playoff runs in, in your other years, how is that preparing you for that, that step to the college level? Uh, from freshman year to uh, my senior year, uh, the program I've been – the program I went to, Julius Chambers, we've, we've been winning. So – my eighth grade year, they had won states. And then my freshman year here, uh, we won states again. And then my sophomore year, we went to states, but we lost. So me just growing up around the guys uh, winning program, me just being mature, me being uh, mature, just like the older guys. So me following their footsteps, I learned uh, I just got to be a winner. You got to <laughs> play ball. Really, really. Awesome. How would you describe your – sorry, go ahead. No, you got it. You got it. Go ahead, go ahead. I was curious about your, your play style. You mentioned sort of any position at DB you can play. Are you you like hard hits? Are you a ball hawk? I guess what? how would you describe your your play at defensive back? Not even go a lot more of like a ball hawk type of guy, but <laughs> I'll come down later, boom. I'll come down later, boom, if I got to. But uh, I like I like playing safety, though, because like I said, I like to like move people around. But this mm -hmm. year, like if somebody had like a number one receiver, like this year in the second round of playoffs, we had to go against Weddington. They just won states, and uh, Keenan Jackson, they uh, he just flipped the NC State. Had to guard him. Uh, actually, I started off at safety, but then when he got like got going. That's when I said, "No, coach, let me follow him." And then he had like one little hitch catch and a dig catch, but other than that, shut him down. But it's all love with that guy. It's all love. Growing up, who who'd you model your game after? It's always interesting to see kind of who your football role model was. My role model going up was Cam Chancellor. Hey, great answer. That. Great answer. You're talking to a true Seahawks fan right here. Great answer. Yeah, like I say that. I'm a Seahawks <laughs> fan, too. There so we I go. There we watching, go. I grew up watching the Legion of Boom, and he was my favorite DB out of that DB course. So, Cam Chancellor, for sure. Hell, yeah. That's the right answer, man. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Do you, uh, do you have any kind of, like, relationship with the guys that are already on the team? Uh, for instance, like Q Reed or, like, any of those veteran guys? Were they, like, helping you through your recruitment process a little bit? Uh-oh. Yes, Pete Reed helped a lot. Uh, when the coaching change happened, he was like, I was asking him because I didn't get to talk to Coach Chesney. Uh, when the coaching change happened, I asked him how he liked Coach Chesney and everything. He said, trust the process. So, and then when I got on campus, I trusted the process and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Can't wait. Yeah, I was going to add on to that. So, you went to JMU not too long ago with uh, your friend Dontre Henderson, who's now yes, sir. flipped to Indiana. But how was that visit? I'm sure that it solidified your decision a little bit. Just kind of talk us through that a little bit. 
uh that visit was cool that visit was uh that was cool uh when i got off the uh when i got off the when i got to the facility all the new coaches all the new holy cross coaches were there to greet me so it was cool uh we went axe throwing we talked ball uh i got whooped i got whooped by coach Kanai, the special teams coordinator he whooped me but the all the offensive coordinator i whooped him so it was like i was i was even with him but they some cool guys. They know what they're talking about. Like, like I said, they're coming from Holy Cross and winning program under Coach Chesney. So, I believe in them. That's a, a nice win over Dean Kennedy at quarterback. Coach, and he came and went axe throwing. Some questions. Yeah, there. yeah. He was talking junk. He was talking junk. So, <laughs> had to get him. I That's guess awesome. uh, kind of seemed like. Uh, sorry, Ben. Go ahead. I just I was going to mention. We hadn't mentioned it up until now. I see you got your purple cape on. You got yeah, you some new stuff here. You know it, man. You got the you hat on. I mean, you've got go everything. I mean, you got everything go going Dukes, on. Man. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, because you just signed, didn't you? you I just did. Just, just did. Yeah, just got done. So I'm ready to go up there and ball. I'm coming up there early. So like I'm going to not change the program around, but I'm going to fit in perfectly. Absolutely. So you're you're going up in, in January to do the early enrolling and, and get started with this, this upcoming spring semester. So you're ready to go in the fall? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Spring ball, I'll be ready, get get ready for fall. So I'm glad I'm going up there early, early start. Yeah, that's. Do you know anyone else in the class that's also following that that early start, that that early enrolling uh, process? I know Chase is going early. The other DB, uh, Phil. I'm going room with Phil because you know we play seven on seven together, uh, play little league against him, so we got a <laughs> connection. So I think he's gonna be my roommate. So us three, and then we got. Uh, I want to say the the, uh, the offensive tackle from Roseville, he's going to go up early. So I think it's five of us in total. I can't name the other one. It might be Marcellus. I'm not sure. I think it's Marcellus, though. I think uh, J.C. Evans, who we're going to have on here just in a little bit, new quarterback commit, he will also be early enrolling from what I remember on his Twitter very recently. So Hey, hey let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> a lot of guys coming up. A lot of guys coming up to so make some uh, impact early. It'll be good. Gotcha. I'd, l- I'd love for you to kind of talk us through the experience. I know we, we touched on it a little bit with Coach Chesney coming on board, but fr- from our outside perspective, it was all really interesting how it worked. Can, we, can you kind of walk us through your feelings of, of when Signetti left initially to then Chesney getting hired, then to waiting a little bit, it seemed like, to, to have that initial outreach. Can you walk us through your feelings every step of the way? All right, so when I decommitted from West Virginia, I already knew, like, where I wanted to go after that because, like I said, Jamie was my first offer. Uh, Coach Whitley, he's like an uncle to me, so they all kept in touch. Kept in touch. Coach Tino, he's a great guy. I love Coach Tino, not going to lie. But uh, so when I got up there for the game day, uh, App State, that's when I came. Uh, I committed. Uh, uh, Coach Signetti uh, invited me into his office. I told him I was locked in and everything. And that's when two weeks later I found out he was leaving. And I was like, Wow. I was like, wow, what am I going to do now? But I stayed the course. I waited patiently, and it all worked out. Because like I said, Coach Chesney is a great guy, man. He's a great guy. So I'm glad I waited. Instead of, like, jumping to a conclusion and going somewhere else, I'm glad I'm a dupe. Awesome. That, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You sort of seem like, at least on social media and some stuff from uh, what Ben has told us, uh, I guess a little bit of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look- hey, tell him some belt co- Stonebelt Championship comes Oh, up. no, man. We got a rivalry already. <laughs> man, it is running deep. Man, I'm, That's trying, hilarious. To, I'm trying to tell him. <laughs> but it, it seems like you sort of stood out, I guess, as sort of a leader in the class in terms of 
communicating with other players and some guys wanting to stay locked into what's that like? Is that sort of a natural process for you to just be uh, a vocal leader with some of your fellow commits, even if you didn't know them? Oh yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So like I said, I'm a leader on the field and off. Uh, when I found out that they were leaving, I texted the, uh, I texted the guys, uh, made sure like where their head was at. And when I saw everybody else leaving, I was like, nah, everybody can't go. So I'm glad Chase Day, like the class that we got coming in, Hey, we're still going to be a problem. Best believe. Best believe. Best believe. Hopefully, I'll be beating Troy here sooner rather than later on the field <laughs> and uh, keep that summer sure. championship uh, officially in Harrisonburg because, of course, not officially in Harrisonburg yet. But, KJ, enjoy the day. Thank you so much for taking some time and talking with us about your recruitment journey and uh, signing that NLI here earlier today. Appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. Go Dukes, man. <laughs> Go Dukes. What a guy. Man, he won me over by saying that uh, he's a Seahawks fan. That that's over. That that's that's big time. And uh, we'll go from the defensive side of the ball. We'll head on over to the offensive side of the ball. Where we'll be bringing on J.C. Evans now, a recruit coming in from Miami, Florida. Quarterback position, a big time get for Coach Chesney and his staff. J.C., how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And. Uh, welcome, because I, I think that kind of off the radar for a lot of Dukes fans coming into today, and all of a sudden we see you tweeting, we see everything happening. It's official, I think. It's a tag, and us Dukes fans are kind of uh, a little surprised by it. Can you walk us through how that all went down for you? Well, I would like to start by saying I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity, of course. Um, but mainly, I would say this relationship began with um, Coach Chesney and the Holy Cross staff, actually. Um, I I kept in great contact with the Holy Cross staff. They I think they offered me um, mid-February, mid-March, um, so during the springtime for sure. And uh, Coach Dean Kennedy, he came to see me during camp season. He, he watched me throw multiple times. Um, and I just – I felt the love, to be honest. Um, I spoke with Coach Kennedy multiple times, and – I I love what they did with um the quarterback at Holy Cross and that's honestly what I I just like to see uh, and I felt like this would be a great opportunity for me not only for short term but long term as well so yeah that's all. I mean that that Holy Cross quarterback Matthew Sluka I mean he is a man that likes to throw it likes to run it likes to play some QB power lower his shoulder go into it is that how you would describe your play style how would you describe J C Evans the quarterback definitely um. Everybody, I feel like everybody knows I can use my legs to um, to be a great weapon. But I, obviously, I like to throw first. Um, I plan on staying in the pocket, going through my reads, going through progressions, check downs before I before I use my legs. And then eventually, when it comes to that point, I'm able to make a play. And that's what I feel like um, was overlooked by some coaches for a long time. Um, many just focused on the athlete aspect of my game, but. I just wanted to show that I'm much more than that. That's awesome. I think did you start your high school career in, in Texas? Is that right? And then and then moved to Florida. Can you explain sort of that that process? I know you're going up some against some elite level competition. I think in both states. Well, definitely. Um, I began in San Antonio, Texas. I attended uh, Brandeis High School, and I would say the main difference between San Antonio and Miami, Florida, is just not only the athleticism, but the mental aspect of the game. Um, you can just tell, I, I could tell my first day at Miami Central, just guys uh, really just love to play the game of football. They, this was some, for some guys, this is all they had. And just to show 
to be able to see guys like um guys put this much effort and guys just going out there and just putting everything they have on the line for the team for the last like 10 months that I was in Miami is just amazing. And I hope I can be able to take that with me to the next level as well. But definitely don't get me wrong. Texas has some great athletes as well, but I think they definitely do it different down here in South Florida. I'm just curious about kind of your journey from being committed to Jacksonville state. You still have this relationship with coach Chesney. So how does it, how does it work? When do you get the offer from Chesney and he tells you, come follow me to JMU and kind of what swayed your decision? You talked about uh, how he develops Luca, but what swayed your decision to go to JMU specifically? Well, really just, like I said, um, the offense that, that they were able to, what, what seeing what they were able to do at Holy Cross and just being able to like a great program like James Madison, I just see it as, as a huge opportunity for me to display what I can do coming in. Cause I don't, I don't plan on sitting for a long time. I don't plan on registering, just waiting on the bench, waiting to my turn. I hope I can come in and compete for a spot day, from day one. So just being able to see what they were able to do at Holy Cross and like like you said, Matthew Sluga, great player. And just I hope I can, you know, bring some of some of that to James Madison as well. And that is what I plan on doing. Absolutely. And you actually tweeted, I think, earlier, uh, pretty earlier, uh, that you um well you signed. I saw that you posted some picture of you signing and that you were gonna early enroll and come up in January. Just tell me. How excited are you for that? Are you excited to see the campus? Because you haven't been on campus, right? No, sir, not yet. Um, yeah. Really excited. Um, it's, I would say it's moving kind of fast, if, <laughs> to be honest, because um, you know, high school just ended for me, um, moved down here in February, and now I'm planning on going up to Virginia, actually. So it's it's moving fast, but I couldn't be more excited for it. Um, I actually have a little experience up there. I lived in Maryland, Bethesda area for a while, so... Oh, that's where, I, that's where I'm at now. It's awesome. Yeah. So I, I attended school there as well for a, a little bit. And so I'm used to the cold. So I'm <laughs> no problem with that. But um, I am couldn't be more excited, like I said. I was about to say, you're going from Texas to, to South Florida. You're going to be going into the Valley of Virginia. Uh, we might be we might be on this podcast saying, I don't know if JC, can, can he handle the 20-degree <laughs> winds in, in Bridgeforth Stadium? But the fact you were, you're in Bethesda, Maryland, okay, you, you understand the chilliness yeah. a little bit. I wouldn't say it's necessarily freezing cold, but you, you got it down a bit. Definitely, definitely. It's a, definitely more cold than South Florida is. So. <laughs> I, can, oh, yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. JC, I was curious. You mentioned coaches kind of overlooking you as a, a passer specifically. I think you're six five and run a four four, right? Right in around that range. Was it hard to to kind of get into that quarterback spot where coaches took you seriously as a passer? And and when did you sort of settle in on on quarterback? Because I imagine given your athleticism growing up, you probably played a bunch of positions. Well, really, um, I've been I've always been the tallest kid on the team, but I've always played quarterback my whole wow. life. Um, since flag football and I was four years old. Um, I just I've I've loved this love the position to be honest with you. Um I would say, um, like I said, I've been overlooked by many coaches from my passing side, but I feel like this past season with um, what I was able to showcase at Miami Central, I feel like just a small 
a small um, amount of what I can do. I showed a little bit of what I'm able to do and accomplish in the passing game as well. But, um, yeah, like I said, I've been a quarterback all my life, and that is what I plan on staying. Absolutely. I guess just last question, kind of a kind of a softball question, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure that you've seen the love from the JMU fans. Uh, just kind of what are you expecting out of them? Like, I mean, I'm sure they've been giving you a lot of love. Are you just excited to play for those guys? Definitely. Um, I feel like this is a great fan base, and I really just can't can't wait to see more of it because, like you, like I said, like you said earlier, I haven't been up to campus and I haven't been able to see meet guys on the team or um, the the culture actually the James Madison culture I haven't been able to experience that so the fan base I, I already know they're gonna show a bunch of love and and they like you seen all over Twitter um <laughs> the guys hitting me up left and right saying can't wait excited so I just can't wait to experience that James Madison culture. No, we love it. Hopefully your phone stops uh, vibrating as much with all those Twitter <laughs> notifications, those X notifications here. You've probably been having the last few hours. We appreciate the time. Enjoy the day. And uh, uh, thank you so much for, for chatting with us about your journey to JMU. Definitely. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. Of course. JC Evans, quarterback from Miami, Florida, Miami Central, started his high school career out in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, a flip was a Jacksonville State commit, ended up on over – uh, to JMU, kind of a surprising one. Ben, you're you're a recruiting guru. Were you expecting? I mean, a, along with with JC Evans, there's been a few other flips. Have you been expecting those flips uh, throughout the day? Well, I've certainly started to expect them. Um, I definitely <laughs> expected them to flip some guys, get some new recruits in, but the caliber of guys that they're bringing in, they're very legit. Um, JC, like he said, was recruited at Holy Cross, and so. Uh, Holy Cross doesn't do a whole lot of like in-depth recruiting coverage. So it's kind of hard to figure out who they're recruiting specifically. So he definitely came out of nowhere. Um, the guy from UConn, Ty J Hopper, uh, he just committed and signed. He was kind of all over the place a little bit too, because one day he decommitted, got an offer from Jamie the same day, the next day recommitted to UConn. And now on signing day, he flips and he is a Jamie Duke. So yeah, it's snip definitely. Snap, snap. Uh, I did not expect this. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I was used to it, but I didn't think JMU had it in them for this much chaos today. But I've been loving it. A lot of chaos. A lot. Of, I feel like Chesney's doing a lot of a lot of work in silence here, where he's uh, adding some guys, adding some offers without the players necessarily mentioning the offers. So much work in silence that uh, I mean, Ben didn't even know about it. He, it was kind of insane. You can't be speaking on things you don't know, Ben. Man, geez, Louise. Yeah, I mean it's it's just been crazy though because no one no one really we heard about offers for some guys. I think Alex Green was one and Jaden Brown. Those guys kind of went by the wayside. They stayed committed or they, you know, uh, decided to go elsewhere. I, I forget exactly where they went, but yeah, I mean these offers must have just been going out very quietly. And but I'm glad they have been. So you know, and kind of also bolstering the offensive side, like adding Jace adding Dylan Williams, who we'll talk about a little bit later as a wide receiver. Um, obviously, this is a very strong defensive class, so it's kind of good to be able to recoup some of the losses on the offensive side. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's been a class, a lot of defensive guys coming through, a lot of trench play on the offensive side. 
who stands out from this class that you're, you're most excited to see come, whether it's 2024, 2025, 2026, whatever it may be? Well, uh, my guy, as you guys know, is uh, Chase Regan. I love Chase's play. Uh, just the fact that he is such a speedster kind of guy, a 4-2, very much, um, much excites me. But I think that he can make an impact. I think we could see someone like KJ make an impact. I think we could see Jace or JC, sorry, not Jace, JC kind of make an impact or at least push for something in his first year, like he said. And then Dylan Williams, I think he might be getting a little bit overlooked by JMU fans. He is, he's got a quickness to him, but the main part about him is I like how tenacious he is. I was watching his film earlier today after he committed. There were like four or five different clips in a small huddle highlight tape where he just went up, mossed somebody, high pointed the ball, just beautiful play, toe tap catches. I mean, he's, I think he's got kind of an it factor if there's one player in the class that kind of has it, I think that he's that guy. He's 6'1", 185, so we'll see what uh, we can develop him into. But, yeah, I'd say those, those three or four guys specifically. That's awesome. Question for you. They've obviously got a different group than they had previously with a handful of guys going to Indiana. Is it just a different class? Do you think it's an equal class? Is it a little worse, but some good players? Like, how do you assess sort of the, they flipped some guys, they kept some guys, they lost some guys. How different is it than two weeks ago in your eyes? Yeah, well, you know what? We lost a very significant amount of players, you know, and that was kind of what I was worried about. And I was more worried that we would lose this amount of players, but we wouldn't be able to flip or get enough quality players um, in this short amount of time. But Thinking back on it now, it's kind of apparent to me that this might be kind of something to do with the portal in that there's so many moving parts that kind of spots open up people, you know, it's really like down to the wire, even more so than um, in previous years. But yeah, I think that this class, because signing day is today, but Friday is the cutoff where recruits can sign in the early signing period. So I think there is a chance to get up there to get up there to where it was in terms of rankings, in terms of ratings, which, you know, it means something, but it uh, it doesn't at the same time. So I just like the guys that we have. I think that we're going to get a few more, and um, we'll see how they can play on Saturdays at, at Bridgeford. Yeah, I think fair and not alarmist to say they did lose some very good players to <laughs> to Indiana. So I think that's, that's worth noting. Still a good class. You mentioned the portal. They've added Jacob Dobbs as a – Probably the most notable addition. Yes, sir. Cross. Yep. Holy Cross linebacker. Uh, we don't know if he's a Seahawks fan, but has spoken to Jack previously. So uh, I, I didn't ask. I didn't ask if he had said he uh, modeled his game after Lofa Tatupu. He's from uh, he's from Michigan, though. So we got Laco a chance. Michigan. Right. We got a chance. He's a Lions fan. You got a chance. He's a Lions fan. We can we can ask him. <laughs> I'm just going to reach out. And be like, You're <laughs> but uh, but Ben, if you if you could kind of give an overall rating uh, to this class, uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be a letter grade. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a quote unquote true, you know, like out of 10, it could just be a simple pass fail here. How would you, how would you, I mean, if it was a pass <laughs> I'm not going to give him a fail. We <laughs> 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 got some dogs. Guys. That would be yeah. awesome. No, no, I give it a fail. Um, how would you overall rate this class? Because I, I think our kind of similar to that of the Bob Chesney era, which has been, Everything's moving so slow. Just kidding. Everything's moving just at the right speed. This is amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like I said, uh, I definitely wasn't expecting this uh, this amount of uh, movement. But in terms of like, I'd give it a letter grade. I think that now, obviously, we're speaking from like a JMU perspective. We're not going to get the five stars. We're not going to get the four stars yet. You know, we had one at one point. Don't have many more, but we're getting there. Um, you know, step by step. So we're not going to get those kind of top of the line going to Texas A&M for a billion dollars money, you know, kind of guys. I would say that neither is Texas last... A&M. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'd say that the last, the previous class that we had before Kurt Signetti left was an A because it's the highest rated class in the history of JMU. This one I'd give an A minus. I think we're right there. I think if we can get the problem is numbers. And I know that numbers, you know, usually you want quality over quantity, but just the fact that we lost so many people, I would just like for them to get maybe three or four more people on the offensive side. Hopefully maybe a running back or two. That would be really helpful um, if they're not planning on getting that in the portal. But I'd give it an A minus. I think that it's almost there. I think it's very close. I don't know if it'll hit the rankings mark, but I'm not super concerned about that as long as we have players that, um, you know, the coaches think can play. Yeah, that that that's awesome. And just as a quick update, the, JMU did lose a, a good number of players. So they lost Mario Landino, a defensive lineman, Alberto Mendoza, a quarterback, Daniel Duke in Dukeway, an edge rusher, Dontre Henderson, Jaja Boyd, Keenan Phillips, Nate Crosby, Diaddy Diablo, Ronel Mook Davis, and uh, Bryson Banks. Just as like a quick update, and th- they've replaced some of those, uh, but yeah, they've not hit that same number that they had coming into today. And officially kind of what JMU has signed to date is just 11. Um, so there's a lot, you, you kind of tweeted about it, Ben. I, there, there'll be a lot of changing. Um, like KJ said, he officially signed like minutes before coming on the podcast. So um, his papers, it, it's all just a weird thing. We were talking with our friend Dom who used to work in college athletics and he was explaining the process of national, let national letters of intent. There we go. Uh, just, seems a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And like people, I had some people tweeting at me about, um, you know, the fact that the JMU presser only had 11 guys, but that didn't include a guy like Matt Lipinski who uh, has been committed this whole time. And he just signed like maybe an hour ago or so. And the article came out uh, around noon. So I don't really make a whole lot of that. I think that we're pretty, pretty set in the guys who've said that they've signed, but I mean, this year, you never know. You never know. It feels like it's getting crazier by the minute, by the hour, by the week since Kurt Signetti left. So I'm all, I'm here for it though. I think it'll be a good class. I think it'll be a good class. I also think they're going to do a ton in the portal here over the next few weeks to fill a lot of needs. Cause I was curious, I was interested, Ben, your thoughts on this, but you look at the class and like, there's a ton of offensive linemen, I don't know how easy it'll be for them to play year one. Uh, probably pretty hard, given sort of some of the guys returning, some of the portal additions. Um, that that could be tough. But obviously defensive back, you're losing some guys, especially at safety. Is that kind of the spot we look where, hey, maybe one of these guys is the next year's D'Angelo Pons? I guess where do you see any potential year one contributors? Yeah. Um, I'd look at the DB spot. I'd look at the linebacker spot for Jacob Dobbs. Obviously I'd look at the running back spot. Like there's, there's, I think those three position, uh, position groups, excuse me, um, are kind of the three that are the most of immediate need. I think whether that be 
recruiting for depth or to potentially play some minutes and through the portal. Um, yeah, I think I think KJ could get some looks. You know, it depends. He's going to be on campus early, so he's going to go through you know the whole spring ball kind of thing and get get a feel for it. So it's kind of the thing that we just have to wait and see, um, especially who they bring in, who he's going to be competing against, um, things like that. But we've got guys in this class that have the tools to be able to do what we would like them to do. Um, and that's kind of the big takeaway, I think. And I'm very excited, very excited about this class. Should be a fun one. Should be a fun time watching them kind of rise through the ranks. They're that, that, that Chesney era. They're his class. He's put his stamp on it and, It'll be interesting to see how they make an impact at JMU over the Chesney area and era and over their careers. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time out of your Wednesday to talk National Signing Day. Where can everyone find you? Because you'll have your nose to the grindstone over these next few weeks, months, really until the 2025 class. And then once that's over, the 2026 class, where can people find you on social media? Never going to end. It's never going to end, Jack. Um, you can find me at Duke's Recruits on Twitter. Um, that's pretty much the only place where I do do JMU kind of related stuff. Um, eventually we're going to get some, some video interviews, I think hopefully the next few days with a couple more recruits that you can stay tuned for. But yeah, follow me on Twitter. I will be tweeting and on my phone all day, every day. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So will we. It's a problem. It's an addiction. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Absolutely. What a salute. What a class. What Seems class. like a decent class, though, right? They they pulled it together, got some good players. I, I do think it'll be hard, kind of outside of defensive back, for some guys to to play immediately. Although I'm kind of interested to see what they do developmentally at quarterback, right? Yeah, J.C. Evans. You've also got Alonzo Barnett, Billy Atkins, and then maybe Brent McLeod Griffiths. and Griffiths, yes, and maybe McLeod returns, maybe. Um, they bring in a, a portal guy, but you've got four, maybe like four, four projects that you're kind of working with to, to develop. That's interesting. That's a lot of like options as a backup, then also maybe like your future. Yeah. I, I'm very interested to see it. I'm really excited. And I'm not just saying this because he likes Cam Chancellor, uh, KJ flow. I, I think him and, and Chase Regan have a real chance to make a positive impact on this team next year. When you're kind of looking at recruits who will have a positive impact the next year, always look at those early enrollees because yeah. they're getting acclimated. They're doing the the weight programs. They're, they're becoming college athletes over that semester. So KJ Flo and Chase Regan in a position group that I, I think will give themselves plenty of opportunities to see the field early on. Uh, I think both of them have the potential to make year one impacts as well. Yeah. And then I think, um, I don't know if Hopper's an early enrollee or not, but um highly recruited flip that they had from UConn. So that'll be one to monitor at TV as well. Big time. I think he's a composite four-star kind of on the edge of it, teetering back and forth. He's probably the biggest get um, came with Dylan, Ho Dylan Williams uh, mm -hmm. as well. The flips, both of them, they're both from Georgia. I believe they played against each other. Uh, I believe Hooper Tajay Hooper is from uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, and Dylan Williams is from Roswell, Georgia. Yeah, got some guys. I also think Evan's talking to us and about the connection with Dean Kennedy and Chesney was fascinating, right? That a guy who was committed to play at Jacksonville State under Rich Rodriguez <laughs> was talking about Dean Kennedy. It's like, I want to play for him instead. I, I wonder how it impacts it, though, that he lost an axe throwing to KJ. 
concerning, right? Yeah. To have your quarterback's coach not winning an axe throwing competition. But, but your apparently. special teams coach did. I wonder if he punted the axes onto the board. <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> These are the hard-hitting questions of Jamie Sports News. But So that's all the recruiting stuff. Uh, let's take a quick look at the transfer portal. Uh, we, JMU's brought in, I believe, three official people through the portal. The main one being Jacob Dobbs, the linebacker from Holy Cross. Yeah, 432 career tackles. He's got over 40 career tackles for loss, 20-plus sacks. He was on the Athletics Freaks list in last year, which is just like Athletic Freaks. Runs like a sub-4-6. <laughs> he's not just like a weirdo. Runs like a sub-4-6. Big bench, clean. Like all his lifts are, are super impressive. So he's fast, he's strong, makes a lot of tackles. Bob Chesney has called him the best teammate of all time. Feels like a massive pickup, right? I think he's a two-time Patriot League Defensive Player of the Year. Pretty much a plug-and-play starter or linebacker, I would assume. Yeah, coming off a year of 123 tackles. He was a Buck Buchanan Award finalist, which is given to the best defender in all of the FCS. Uh, he didn't win the award, but he's a finalist in 2021 and 2023. The reason he wasn't a finalist in 2022, and the reason why he's transferring to JMU with that extra year of eligibility, is because in 2022, he uh, tore his UCL, his tricep, his forearm. He's absolutely demolished one of his arms, took him out for the rest of the year. Uh, and then he was actually awarded the 2023 Comeback Player of the Year in all of college football for what he did uh, with the Dukes. With the Dukes? With the Crusaders. I was reading I was reading something, <laughs> man. <laughs> I just like that. He's a Duke now, you know? Uh, and um, then they added – sorry, I was going to say they added two linemen too. So now – plus the recruiting class, they've added a lot of offensive linemen. Jesse Rammel, uh, an offensive lineman from St. Francis. He had appeared in 20 total games. Uh, he'll be, I think he'll have a real chance to kind of be either a depth piece or, or fight to be a starter. And then Patrick McCurtry, an offensive lineman from Holy Cross. Just an absolutely behemoth of a man. He made Dobbs look small. Yeah, he's like 6'6", 300 pounds, I think. I think McMurtry had all Patriot League honors in 2021 and 2023. I think he was second team, played right tackle for them. He's played a lot of college football. He's played under Bob Chesney. Seems like a guy, if he doesn't start, he'll at least be in like an offensive line rotation. And then they also got guys out of the portal, JMU guys who've returned, including Tyshawn White, your starting left tackle with over 30 games of experience. So you still have him. You still have Tanner Morris on the offensive line, Josh Toner, Cole Potts. That's already like a good starting unit, and, and they've got some other offers out. Maybe Nick Kidwell. Maybe Nick Kidwell, I think, sounded like he wanted to come back. It doesn't. I always get confused once they get over five years of playing college football, exactly <laughs> what they're going to do. But that's a pretty good group, plus maybe some other transfers and some probably some young guys we don't know a ton about yet. And I think the most important one is the fact that Wayne Knight He's exited the portal. Wayne Knight is exited the portal. Wayne Knight, who entered the portal back in October, uh -huh. uh, returns to JMU, uh, pairs back up with his brother, Yamir Knight. Yamir Knight is, I would not be shocked if he was kind of that go-to slot receiver next year. He was getting a lot of looks late in the season alongside Phoenix Sproles. But now Wayne Knight returns to a running back room that is depleted. It's a running back room that doesn't return any of their main starters from last year. Kalon Black is in the portal. Tyson Lawton, who still has eligibility, transferred to Indiana. I believe Latrell Palmer graduated. And 
I, I love the Ringer Fantasy Football podcast, and they they did this measurement matrix, this measurement that I had to put for Tyson Lott. And it was Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix Jr. has been in college for 14 Marvel movies. Can you guess how many Tyson Lawton has been in college for? 12. 14. So both 14. But yeah, but by the time he graduates, the That's 14th will come out. Up to this point, it's been 13. There's going to be one more okay. apparently that comes out. That's not counting series, by the way. That's just movies. He's been in college a while. He's been in college since 2018. He was a freshman when you were a senior in college, Bennett. Yeah, we were talking about that. I've had, what, three jobs since then, all for at least over a year. <laughs> so he's he's played a lot of college football, but I guess he had eligibility left, which makes me, I think, I thought Palmer used all his based on my counting, but God, who knows? <laughs> Maybe Littrell's back. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you mentioned this, your man, Chauncey Logan, Chauncey Heisman watch Logan is back. Which we were sort of speculating that might happen, right? He posted USF and New Mexico as his offers. We thought um, JMU would present him with a better opportunity to one, like play meaningful reps, but two, do it for a team that like could be good. Yes. Um, so that makes sense that he comes back. Probably a starting corner. Pretty cool. Him and Pons both expected to return, barring a, a late change here means they're feeling pretty good about the corner spot, I would think. Yes, and someone that I am circling as a potential returner is Aiden Fisher as well. Why is that? Kind of for the same reason Chauncey Logan was penciled in as we as someone we circled last week as a potential returner. Didn't necessarily have like the wow power five offers that I honestly expected for him to get. Um, I think Cincinnati in the Big 12 was his biggest offer. Now, if Indiana's offering him, I think it's a different story and I wouldn't be shocked if they are, but I think he comes back. I'm also reading way too much into this. I'm reading the No, I leaves. think you're right. I think you're right on the, this part. Okay, so who who has it been? Chauncey Logan, Tyshawn Wyatt, and Aiden Fisher. Did Tyshawn yeah. tweet that too? They both, yes, all three of them. Okay, so they all tweeted before they announced they were returning to JMU. My recruitment is closed. My decision has been made. Like something very similar. And I think they all retweeted each other when it happened. Really, Gaiden's coming back. Yeah, we'll see, I guess, when he makes it official. But I think his, when I checked earlier today, his last three tweets were retweeting Chauncey Logan coming back, saying that his recruitment was shut down, and then retweeting that Tyshawn Wyatt was coming back. So if you want to read too much into it, that's certainly doable. Which, if they're able to convince him, you return your leading tackler who if the bowl game goes the way you would think it would against a triple option team, it's going to finish with over a hundred tackles <laughs> plus Dobbs and Trent Hendrick. And you're looking at like, all right, the linebacker room's good. If you can figure out the defensive line, maybe get a, a safety or something. Defense is pretty loaded. I, I also Offense don't think like the defensive, I don't think the defensive line is going to take a massive step back. I really like Amar Thomas and Tyreek Tucker. You have Emmanuel Bush in the middle if somehow Carpenter comes back, which I don't really expect. Um, that, that's, that's, a, that's a fantastic defensive line too. Yeah, plus they've got some some offers out to guys who are pretty good in the portal. They've got, I think that's the thing that I was tweeting like last night that I think they're going to be really good in 2024. I think somebody was like, all right, you're getting way too ahead of yourself, which is true, right? <laughs> Obviously. But I'm speculating out based on the fact that if you give Bob Chesney whatever it'll be, 10, 15, 20 open scholarships to go through the portal based on what he's already done in the portal of getting like 
Holy Cross is two of their better players. Some other Holy Cross players are still in the portal that they could get. He seems like he's got some pretty good connections. I don't know. I, I have a hard time thinking they're going to feel the rot. Like, I think we're going to go into August next year and be thinking 10 or more wins, assuming assuming the, the big question that he can get a veteran quarterback to be the projected starter, whether that's McLeod or someone else. I, I did think it was kind of interesting that it's been so quiet on the quarterback front. I wonder I, if they're I, just I, waiting I, for I, an official McLeod answer. I think it's McLeod. I think it's McLeod right now. A lot of JMU fans, us included, would love Sluka. I don't think it's going to be Sluka because he has legit P5 offers and will like demand high NIL money. Also, I don't know if you were confused a lot today. NIL, NLI. Frustrating to have them basically be the same, huh? Yeah, very frustrating. And like vastly different things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I think it's been very interestingly quiet with that. And I think McLeod will be coming back. And if he doesn't, I think they'll stick with who they have on the roster for the reason you said. Alonzo Barnett, Billy Atkins, Brett Griffiths, and now J.C. Evans. That's a that's a deep quarterback room. See, I think they're going – if they don't get McLeod, I think they would go portal for sure. Really? Yeah. Alonzo I Barnett has starting experience. I guess So does Billy Atkins. That's technically true. I, th- I feel like he wants like an old win now, don't have any risk. I do also think McLeod's a good chance uh, because he's definitely not going to Indiana because they got what Curtis Rourke from Ohio. Yeah. Euchre, Euchre. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. What chance is there that McLeod actually comes back? I would put it at above 50, maybe a 60, 40% chance he comes back. He's not going Indiana. And I don't know who else would take a sixth year quarterback who would be on his fourth school. I think the, NIL, right? Got it right. The NIL market for McLeod, I think, is probably vastly overrated in fans' mind and in the minds of, like, on three. Yes. I just don't think he commit. I think his biggest his biggest NIL chance would be to coming back to JMU because he's already developed his name there. I don't think he necessarily commands that much at, like, a, you know, a Purdue or a – Cincinnati I was just thinking of bad stuff yeah I don't think his time at South Florida or Arizona was attracting a ton of attention um, so then you throw in one year at at JMU um, right not necessarily proven also I don't believe I do think he would need some good fortunes with uh, the waiver process although it seems like the NCAA might just like not have any ground to limit yeah. transfers which is why Pretty- Surratt's in the portal Yes, but he has transferred a lot, so there could be, even be questions there if you're a power five of like, wait, is this guy actually going to be eligible or need a waiver? So for that reason, I think there's a decent shot he's back in Harrison Bird. And he also only has a year. And I think Indiana was his only true landing spot because he wanted to stick with Tino Sinceri. They have a great relationship. But Curtis Rourke is likely going to stay, not going to stay, likely is going to start and be a big-time player for Indiana. They have Alberto Mendoza who was a JMU flipped commit. And then they just got, I think his name is Tyler Cherry, a four-star quarterback. Yeah. who was like a top 15 quarterback prospect in this year's class, a massive get for Indiana. Uh, so I don't expect McLeod to go there and, and vie for that starting job. He'd be more like, and I, this isn't like a slight to him. Signetti went out and picked Rourke, just like he picked McLeod. I would be shocked if, he brought in McLeod as well, who has one year of eligibility with Rourke, who has one year of eligibility to then fight it out. 
Right, because one of them's a backup then, right? And I don't think they're... Yeah. Joseph Robertson. I thought McLeod had an Auburn offer with NIL money. I haven't seen that so, like uh, confirmed. It seems a little it, more rumory. It seemed, yeah, it was. Bit, I saw it floated, but I have yet to see it fully confirmed. And maybe so. he does. Maybe he does. But there's also been some other guys who are pretty good with multiple years who are like slowly trickling into the portal. Yeah. So when you look at SEC schools, they get pretty... I don't want to say shady necessarily, but like they'll, they could quickly say, Oh, just kidding. Like we're flipping our deal. So maybe, maybe Auburn's an option if they think he's gonna, um, if they think he's gonna uh, have the waiver, have, or just have eligibility or whatever, uh, but not a guarantee. So maybe he goes to a power five and they bring in someone else. But right now it seems like I think it's got to at least be an option to play for Kennedy and Chesney. It's a pretty good duo. Yeah. And so that 2024 JMU football roster it's really filled out on the defensive side. Like we were saying offensively, the line, what Chesney has been doing in the trenches, it's filled out. I think wide receiver wise, you're kind of set. I tweeted yesterday that I think Dollison is going to have a first team all Sunbelt type of year, because I think with that type of speed, Dean Kennedy is going to find a way to get the ball in his hands. We saw it like a few times this season with Signetti. And every time that Dollison got the ball, he was just electric with his speed. Uh, so you have Dollison, you have Taji Hudson, you have Maxwell Moss, you have Yamir Knight. You have a bunch of guys at the wide receiver position that I think uh, you can build out a solid wide receiver room. And you might even somehow get Elijah Surratt back. He, he His report announcement that JMU is still very much on the table. So you could potentially even bring back that 1,000-yard receiver and, and be even better. Really, the only two positions are that backfield, that running back and quarterback duo. Who are they going to bring in and, and how? I mean, they got Wayne Knight. He exited the portal. Who else are they going to bring in? I think they've still got a transfer starting wide receiver out there too. I know they've got some some bodies, little unproven. So they're pretty good at the spot where I don't think they necessarily need it, but I, I think they'll do it. I, I like Dawson as well. I just would be surprised if they're like, he's number one. I don't think he'll be number one, but I think he'll be number two. You think who's one then? Taji Hudson. I think, yeah, see, that's why I think they'll bring in some, like, they're just Maybe. not really, pro- they're not proven. That's true. I mean, neither was Elijah Surratt. He had 700 yards and 40 plus catches. Yeah, it's St. Francis. Yeah, but he's he was a pretty good player. So they could certainly develop. They have the guys to do it. I still think they'll bring in at least one. Uh, and then the tight end spot, uh, Zach Horton, he hasn't announced anything. He's been very quiet and everything he's been doing. So not entirely sure uh, what he'll do. Good offers, uh, though. He has very good offers. I think he's gone, but I don't think that's necessarily a huge blow because you got Kai Wright and Taylor Thompson. Those are pretty good players. I think Thompson getting involved in the passing game would be fun to see. That's what we've been saying all season, man. I love Taylor Thompson. Running back's a pretty giant hole, though. Massive hole. I mean, granted, never mind. I won't be rude to the running backs. It's a massive hole. Massive. They got to figure that out. And they, yeah. Honestly, though. Honestly, though, with the amount of impact and like focus they're putting on the trenches and that offensive line, you might be able to put me back there and I might be able to just fall forward for two yards a pop. And based on some reports, it sounds like Robo's coming back to be the offensive line coach, which I think is solid. Yes, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really glad that Robo is maintaining with this staff. Yeah. Be nice to get some official word here on the staff soon with, with all of them. I think just out of curiosity, I know I saw like Bronco Mendenhall got hired at a very similar time to Chesney and announced like his full 14 member staff. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that'd be nice I think, to see. I think there's a lot of waiting with the, the, the current staff 
that they want to finish out the bowl and then they'll figure out where they go. So they don't want to like announce it and be like, Oh, you're coaching this game and you don't have a job afterwards. Yeah. That would, that'd be kind of rude. So we'll see that brings us from all of that and talk about the roster looking ahead to next year. Let's put the focus on 2023 Dan Miller. Who's the 2024 running back. I don't think the starting running back is on the roster right now. I think he will be added here very shortly. Um, So that brings us to news or snooze presented by Christopher William Jewelers. Bennett, he'll give me three quotes. I'll decide if they're newsworthy or snoozeworthy, but a little bit of a curveball today. They're not only quotes. Some of them are just general storylines. Bennett, hit me with the first one. Tried to mix it up across sports today as we're getting to crossover season. So the first one, men's basketball, as of this morning, they're coming off a 39-point win over Coppin State, and this is a gritty 1-12 Coppin team. They is just it? will not. Did will you not. see how – did you watch the game at all? This one, I watched a little bit. That's one of the worst basketball teams I've seen. In like, why? I think they turned it over 25-plus times. 30. <laughs> so 25-plus. <laughs> 30 turnovers. <laughs> there were so many times that they'd be in the backcourt, and I don't mean to make fun of them. They're, they're in a rebuilding year under their first year head coach, <laughs> they were dribbling in the backcourt and they would just fall. I mean, they had, what did they have? They finished with, if you, okay, that's sad. I don't even know. It's not even worth saying, but they had, say thir- it, say it, they say had it, 30, say it, say it, say it. Okay. They had 30 made shots, including individual free throws. That's the same number of turnovers that they had. So yeah, you should have said that. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> So anyway, the the quote or the the statement I have here is that JMU is up to number sixty in Ken Palm's, the highest they've ever been rated uh, going into a game. News or snooze? Top sixty. Newsworthy, baby! I can't believe Ken Palm is undervaluing them so much. I mean, this is a top twenty team in the AP top twenty-five. Why does Ken Palm not reflect that? This is just an absolute joke. We need to go talk to Ken Palm Roy. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, absolutely fantastic that they're top 60 in Ken Palm. They're the top team in the Sun Belt. They've been dominating teams offensively and defensively. And if they continue to win, continue what they need to do, they should continue rising up that Ken Palm rating. Well said. Okay, number two, Heaven Bristow. We said that she the waivers, right? Bye-bye waivers. Talked about that last time. They're playing her this year. She says, I'm not waiting. I'm playing this year. Put me in, coach. She's a baller. What's your, yeah, what's your thought on, on Bristow immediately eligible? They got kind of smoked today by Maryland, and she had a, a rough well, showing, but she was good against Maine. There needs to be a little bit of a breakdown behind that. And I was going to save it for the JMU women's basketball segment, but we can talk about it now. They got stranded in Maine for the last three days. They didn't get back to Harrisonburg until yesterday. And then they went from Harrisonburg big to College storm. Park. Because everything, I guess. I, who knew that going to Orno, Maine was hard to get out of? But it's a... What her what she did against Maine was a huge positive impact on that team. In 17 minutes, I believe she had seven rebounds, five defensive, two offensive. Uh, she had a few points, was quick, was decisive, was exactly what JMU needed. Uh, and I'm really excited about what her impact is throughout Sunbelt play because I think she will be an extremely important piece in Sunbelt play. And I'm chalking up that Maryland game as – being tired. You were in an airport for 72 hours. I can't imagine they stay in the airport the whole time. 
They didn't. Look, I'm trying to get a little bit of extra <laughs> juice for my take. All right. <laughs> We're in the airport for 72 hours. Would be the, it's like a home alone situation. What an incredible no, story. He was not in the airport. Do you have you even seen see, Home Alone? Yeah, but I could see that. No, being, no, 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 no. Have you even seen Home Alone? I could see that being a sequel, like where he's in the airport and they leave him in the airport. Well, jokes on you. There's already a sequel. And he's lost. You know what I mean? Like a spinoff of the previous right. ones. Home Alone 3 is a travesty. Terrible. And Home Alone 4. <laughs> there's a fourth. I haven't even. I think there's a fifth too. Well, the first two are phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Which do you prefer? The first or the second? I kind of like the second one. I agree. I think the second one's better. And I think Kevin Bristow is great too. News. Okay. The last one's the best one. It's not even close. So I don't know if you saw, but Kurt Signetti tweeted a photo of his desk, which includes yes i saw this don't subtweet me on the podcast too oh i forgot yeah so it shows his desk it shows his office it also shows his window with a reflection of him (laughs) taking the photo which is hysterical so it's it's got everything you could possibly want on his desk is like a note that says let's go get players exclamation point and players is underlined which is right. He's obviously playing to his base because realistically, a head coach doesn't need a note to remind him, like during the portal era, that like you should be recruiting. But he's got that. He's also got a JMU notebook, and, and then like another JMU notebook off to the side. And JMU fans were absolutely pissed. But Kurt Zinetti has a quote about this. He was asked, or he wasn't, I and mean, he wasn't directly asked. He was asked about like JMU players and went on a really long answer during Indiana's press conference today. And gosh, this is such a good quote. Okay. (laughs) I know I'm a villain back there right now. Everybody thinks I've tampered with their players, blah, blah, blah. Hadn't happened. I did a tweet. There was a JMU manual on my desk. I caught flack for that. I always keep the coach's manual front and center of my desk. Anybody that's ever been in my office will tell you that. And every time I take a new job, I don't change the cover until July, right before getting ready to go to training camp. Because that manual... Guess what? That ain't JMU's. That's my philosophy on how we run a program. Newsworthy, but I have a few things. Uh, why don't you change the cover until July? That doesn't make any sense. It that makes like no seconds. sense. He could have some underling do that. And and like, look, I, I I was kind of like a little weirded out, and and I know it wasn't like I knew he wasn't using that as like this is the roster. Let's let's highlight who we want to tamper with. I know that wasn't it. To me, it was just like weird. Like you're at Indiana, you're at this big 10 school. They're paying you four and a half million dollars a year with every single possible incentive in that contract. They can't print you a new cover and put that on that. You can't have letterhead that has the IU logo on it, not the Duke dog head. Like it it was just a little weird look with his legal pad saying like, let's go get players. And then here's all my JMU stuff. I understand. Thank you for what you did, Signetti. That was weird though. Am I am I am I a, 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 a angry axe for thinking that's weird? Maybe I don't care at all anymore about Kurt Signetti's tweets or he's his been comments. Muted. He's been muted on my Twitter. I just follow him because it's like interesting to see like what they're doing, and I'll I'll pay like somewhat attention just because I'm generally interested. But it's irrelevant. Like it, it's not going to impact my day if they go eight and four next year or four and eight. I don't really care. I know they they got some players going there. He. I think he's a good coach. I think his personality is pretty fun. I also think he's kind of a dick, which like can be fun and is also sometimes annoying. But like if you listen to his Indiana presser, he goes on the first minute about how he's looking too far down 
on the camera because there's a camera, but then also people in the area. And he's talking to his media guy about how it's different than the Big Ten. He's like, oh, we got to straighten everything out in this program. Ha, ha, ha. And then he goes on about how he feels bad for Jamie's program, taking some of their players, but they'll be okay. And he knew he was like, and when he says he gets them, he's like, oh, wasn't hard to convince them. They believe in this staff. They love this and this. He's a little bit annoying. He plays to his base. He's very confident, borderline arrogant at times. If you don't like it and you're a Jamie fan, you're getting really mad. I would just ignore it because I think Bob Chesney is like more positive, but I think he's similarly confident. I think he's going to take a lot of good players in the portal, talk about how they're going to win games and championships, and fans are going to get super hype about that. Just maybe stay in that bubble then, right? If you like Bob Chesney, you like the Dukes, just ignore Kurt Zignetti. It's not that hard. Yeah, I have muted him. I I understand. I get it. I just think it was weird. I just think he's being a little bit of a cock. I I think that's probably fair. He's I do think some of the stuff though, where fans are like he's tampering. I don't think he's tampering. I think a Jamie player entered the portal and then he contacted them. That's not tampering. Yeah, I don't think there was any tampering. Yeah, there's tampering would be like he hasn't left or he's talking about leaving, and then he like calls Mikhail Kamara and is like, hey thinking about doing something i don't think that happened at all i think he just brought him in in the portal he's also not bringing all of them right taishan white's not leaving we're speculating that maybe aiden fisher stays we got chauncey logan back so it's, it's not the end of the world and jamie's bringing in some holy cross kids so pretty similar um the holy cross one's different they couldn't they couldn't go to grad school so yeah all right yes exactly they were unable to continue attending <laughs> their school no, it is very different no it's not very different yes, because they're, no because they already entered the portal it's the same thing it's not like like yeah, they entered the portal because they could not attend their school anymore but that's not fair because all these jmu fans yourself included have said that you think jalen walker and these other guys were going to go in the portal already who cares if they go to Indiana instead yeah, of I don't care about that. I'm just saying like, yeah. I'm yes, it's a I little agree. different. It's a little different, but it's still pretty similar that he's taking some guys from his school. He's going to take other guys. It's the same. It's just transfer. Yeah, I don't think there's a, I don't think work. there's an issue with JMU players choosing to go to Indiana. A okay. lot of college athletes, in my opinion, do not necessarily commit to the school itself. They commit yeah, to, not. The coaching staffs, which I think is what you're seeing with Mikel Kamara, he's not following Signetti. He's following Pat Kuntz and Bryant Haynes. Jordan McLeod, when he entered the portal, we all expected him to go to Indiana. He wasn't following Kurt Signetti. I think he was more – because Kurt Signetti, boy, did he say some mean things about Jordan McLeod. I think that McLeod was following Sanceri and Shannon. Like, I understand what you're saying. I I do think the Holy Cross reason – like, the reason they entered the portal – wasn't because Bob Chesney was leaving. They had entered the portal when Bob Chesney was still their coach. So I think it's a little bit different overall. It's different. I'm wrong, but I'm standing by it. I just get so annoyed with the JMU fans when they're like, who could do this? And it's like, well, it's pretty normal in yes. the transfer portal era. And I know the Holy the Holy Cross situation is very, or is certainly unique, right? With how they're, they don't have grad school, yada, yada, yada. Well, I mean, Jacob but, Dobbs to play that fifth year just took up a religious studies major so he could play yeah well whatever i just think it's crazy when fans are like how could signet do this he's classless it's pretty standard stuff and well the other thing too is like i know that dobbs like went into the portal or whatever if ches if chesney goes to syracuse jacob dobbs is playing at syracuse 
So like the, the connection is pretty massive in terms of the actual end destination. So that's where I think it's weird when people are like, how could you, how could you do this? When it's like the connection is the reason, even though Holy Cross kids had to enter the portal. So they're not technically stealing from Holy Cross. You could say they're stealing from Syracuse. So think about that. All right, that takes us to this week's three-notched weekly preview. It's the Armed Forces Bowl against two else, an Armed Forces school, the Air Force Falcons. They come in with an 8-4 and four record in the midst of a four-game losing streak to finish out that season. Their head coach, Troy Calhoun, is in his 17th season at the helm of the Falcons. This is a triple option team. They've run for over 3,500 yards this season on nearly 700 attempts, 656 so if we're rounding up at 700 uh, and they've only attempted a hundred passes this season for just over a thousand yards. But when they do pass, man, are they lethal sixth in the nation in EPA per drop pack this season? Uh, what are you expecting out of JMU's first ever bowl game? I like air force a lot. I think they got a, a really good coaching staff. Uh, Troy Calhoun is awesome. Quarterback starting quarterback when healthy stud. They got some defenders who are incredibly good. They can run the ball, obviously, right? That's what they do with the triple option. I'm expecting a, a reasonably competitive game, um, depending a lot sort of on JMU's mental state, where I think the Dukes are a better team. Like Air Force lost their final four games. That really stingy defense started giving up chunk plays at, toward the end of the season against some better offenses. It's a game JMU can definitely win and certainly cover that two-and-a-half-point spread if they're all locked in playing at a high level, fully committed to the game. Because I, I assume Air Force will be, even though they had kind of a disappointing stretch to end the season. So if JMU can have the guys who are in the portal, including some who might not come back, truly locked into the game, I think the Dukes have a good chance of winning, um, especially because they're playing a triple option attack, but they've had weeks to prepare for it. Like you, The best time to face a triple option team is the first game of the year in bowl season, right? Because you got multiple weeks to prep for it, or I guess if you have a bye week. So I feel confident, Jamie, going into the game is just a matter of, hey, are you locked in? Because if you got Surratt, Brown, Sproles, McLeod, good offensive line, plus a defense that has a ton of studs, I don't know. I just think they've got a better roster. I agree. And I think this team will be, like, really locked in. I think – I don't even think it's an op, like an option that they won't be locked in because they all chose to come back. This I think isn't the like they were forced to come back. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. this means something to that entire team. It'll be really interesting to see how that, because that could negatively hurt you that, that you're treating this almost like your team Super Bowl. This is your last chance to go out and play together. How does that, you know, emotion negatively or positively impact your play on the field? Will be interesting. You can't really get down all that much to Air Force because the way they just pound the ball, they really shorten the game and and they make it more difficult to yeah. come back against them. But like you said, they've given up a lot of chunk plays. They still have one of the better secondaries JMU is going to face all season. So this is the third game in a row where JMU is facing a really good secondary, but a really bad rushing defense. So can McLeod take advantage of that? Can Kalon Black? Can Latrell Palmer? Can they finally find that rhythm? Tyson Lawton is still slated to play. Uh, that may change in the next few hours. He did travel with the team, but... Uh, he hasn't been one of the people that won't be playing. That's just Mikel Kamara and Carter Miller. But I think that McLeod should be able to connect with Elijah Surratt and Reggie Brown and have another huge game like they did against Coastal. Here's a question for you. Do you think guys in the portal 
who haven't committed are committed and haven't said, or do you think this is like P five audition time? I think most everyone in the portal has figured out what their next steps are. Maybe not, maybe not everyone, but I don't think this is, I don't think this is being treated as an audition. I think a lot of them kind of know what their next steps are. Uh, do you, here's a question. Do you think Wayne Knight is playing in this game? No. <laughs> That's, I was thinking about that because he entered in October. So I think he left the team temporarily. Yes. But he's coming back. So he just got a couple weeks where he's just, he's fresh a couple months, I guess he should be fresh. Yeah, big time. Uh, so that's our three-notched weekly preview. What's your score prediction? We haven't done one of these in a while. JMU 28, Air Force 17. JMU 45, Air Force 14. <laughs> Talk about how it's like hard to blow them out in limited possessions <laughs> with the run. You're like, okay, I think they're putting up near 50. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's the last one. Go big or go home, baby. Like that's that. how we I do like it. That. Um, I like that. So we have a listener question on football oh. before we head on over to basketball. And then we have a men's basketball question. But Alex, 092975, birthday, birthday, asked a couple questions. And I'm going to rapid fire them to you. Ready? Who has been your biggest surprise recruit? JC Evans? Yeah, I guess JC Evans. Hopper? Yeah, one of those. Dylan two. Williams? None of the portal guy. Well, I didn't know anything about the St. Francis kid. I'll be honest there. Um, but the, the, the two holy. You mean you're not grinding St. Francis <laughs> offensive line tape? I'm not like calling you up. I was like, this guy played six games in 2022, and I liked what I saw. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, they got an offensive lineman, Kobe. I forgot what his last name is. I sent you his huddle video last night. Mm -hmm. This kid, remember Michael Orr in the blind side? <laughs> Like just blocking people to the bus. He was doing that to get. I'm so excited to see. I didn't even play. watch that yet. I gotta go back and scroll and find that. Jacoby Campbell. Kobe Campbell, yeah. just an absolute monster of a man. I'm super excited. I'm not surprised by him. He's been kind of one of the people that has been part of the class for a while. But I am super excited to see him I, play. My yeah. I also think we gotta talk to some of the players. I thought Dobbs did a nice job announcing during prime time. Tyshawn Wyatt at like 1130 at night. I was asleep. I had a long day. I'm not seeing that until I wake up. I want, I want, we're looking for <laughs> nine to five commitments here, people. Uh, who will make the biggest impact as a true freshman? We should have asked Ben these questions. Uh, he answered some of them on Twitter. Oh, wait, Ben's go. here. Okay, go. I'm back. Ben came out yeah, the use, cut. Use the answer then. <laughs> who, who's going to have the biggest impact as a true freshman? Okay, right into it, huh? Straight into it. I'm back, and now we're answering this tough question. Okay. Um, I'd look at the position groups and see where we're weakest. Um, I think that some of the guys at DB probably – I think KJ Flo is a safe pick. Um, he definitely would fit the kind of player who's very talented – He's very mature, as we saw in that interview, that he could kind of potentially fill the shoes of some of the guys that are, that are leaving. So that's who I'd say. I pick KJ Flo. I pick Chase Regan. Wow. I for the, well, for the same reason. I couldn't go, we couldn't go clean sweep with KJ Flo. You both stole my 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 quote unquote flow. He's a Camp Chancellor, Seattle Seahawks fan. He's grew up watching the Legion of Boom. I mean, that's Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, uh, you know, Byron Maxwell was Brandon Browner, but he was arrested for murder. So 
let's not include him. Uh, <laughs> but that Legion of Boom was was electric. Uh, so I think KJ Flo is going to be fantastic, and I think Only defensive meaning the boom. <laughs> Defensive. I think that Chase Regan could potentially make an impact on the offensive side of the ball. Oh no! Oh <laughs> brother! Again. No, not this! Oh my god! He runs god. a four-two laser timed at Duke. That's all let's I know. Just, let's just say he'll be an impact player on the return team because that's something that is Solomon Van Horse have eligibility. I think he could come back with some yeah. sort of waiver. Yeah. yeah. I mean, him and him and Chase Regan is our kick returners. Who? Who uh, wasn't it? Um, it was a freshman this year, wasn't it? That was DJ Barksdale, who's a defensive Yeah, I didn't back. think he would do too bad. He, he's got some quickness, but... You could put all three... You could just do, like, an all-returner, <laughs> like, no-blocker thing, like 11 speedsters back there, and they just sort of scatter like spiders. I want to see Chesney do the thing where one guy lays down on the field and one guy stands up, and then the guy you know stands up, catches the ball, takes off. I want that I, every single kickoff. <laughs> I want to see the uh, the two punt returners, you know, when they have it, and there's the one yes. that decoys the catch, and yeah. the whole defense <laughs> runs to him. Uh, that'd be nice. But uh, and then there was one more question. Which incoming transfer portal player will make the biggest impact? I think we all can agree on this one. Well, I'll say it on three. Ready? One, one two, two, three. Malachi Nelson. I was close. Who'd you say, Ben? I said Malachi Nelson, the transfer from USC, the quarterback. Uh, he's 100,000% coming to JMU. No, it's Jacob Dobbs. <laughs> Jacob Dobbs. Yeah, you Dobbs. had me going there. I was like, uh, what'd you say, Ben? <laughs> I said Jesse Ramel, our St. Francis guy who didn't grind tape. But uh, Dobbs out of the three so far. But TBD, come back with that question in like three weeks. Might have a different answer. Might be Matthew Sluka. That's right. That's true. Uh, thank you, Ben, for jumping back on. Thanks, guys. What a, what a, just thank coming goodness. out the cut. I love that. Uh, all right. So you want to switch gears on over to the hardwood? Yes. Jamie Men's Basketball. The perfect eleven and zero this season. Yo, this schedule sucks. Let I let it out. Just I know you've been you've had a rant built up in you in the last few days. Just let it out. It was pretty fun to start the year. I'm not gonna lie to you. Michigan State, Kent State, they played Radford, which is not a bad team. Southern Illinois, they had like good tests, competitive games. The last games they played, the last what five games? Buffalo, three thirty three in Ken Palm, Keystone, not a Division one team. Old Dominion, 230th. Hampton, 317. Coppin State, 361. Then they play Morgan State on Friday, 345. And then they go into conference play. And I just wish they had played a few teams. And I know all the reasons why they didn't. I just wish they had played some better teams here coming down the stretch because they're very good. And it seems like a colossal waste of time, respectfully, for that team to play Coppin State in a basketball game. Can you walk us through the reasons why they had such a bad non-conference schedule? I think it's hard against – so Power Fives, not a ton of them want to play you because it's a potential loss. Um, the, the issue – okay, so basically the issue with any conference or any team in a good conference that doesn't want to play them is that it's a potential loss but not guaranteed that it's going to show up like a good loss on your resume. So you, if you're going to play like a Sunbelt team, you prefer to play like – Georgia Southern, which just sucks, beat them by like 50. Cause that if you cover the spread in these games against bad teams, you're actually going to move like up in Ken Palm and the net and stuff, right? Like JMU played Coppin State and they jumped eight spots forward in Ken Palm because they covered the 28 point spread with ease. So you can beat the crap out of one of these teams and move up. 
And that's more beneficial than like, say last year's JMU team that finishes like fringe top 100. If you host them and, uh, even if you lose to them, it's going to hurt you. And then the same is true for like an A-10 team. Like you're trying to get games that are quad one, quad two. JMU, you're not sure if they're definitely going to be in one of those quads. So then it becomes hard to schedule. You're just trying to fill games. You're going to play some teams that you can just beat up on or that'll play you in a general vicinity. And then the case of this season, you'll play ODU as a non-conference game. Right. And then like they play Morgan State on Friday. They do that. My understanding is they do that solely to be near BWI. That's what they did last year with Coppin State. So you play the game, put your players on a plane, they go home for Christmas. Fine. But but the other ones, nobody's flying after the Coppin State game this year. What I guess you? you had to you had to bring them back, right? Because you played at Coppin State and you're not gonna only play at Coppin State for their proximity to an airport. But at the same time, like, oh my God, they're bad. If only JMU was located near a regional airport that flew consistently to like Charlotte and other hubs. Oh, wait. Probably easier to go direct. I don't know. Is that it probably is? I was just giving. I don't know I where everybody lives. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, we had a, a question from Kyle Helmick. Men's basketball, what's the concern level on Terrence Edwards' lack of production recently? Byington said he thought Edwards was worn down. Uh, Terrence Edwards has a lot of minutes in his legs so far this season, leads the team with 30 minutes per game, but he did drop 16 points against Coppin State he started a little slow but heated up as of as the game went on finished four of 11 seven of eight from the free throw line one of five from behind the arc are you hitting the panic button on Terrence Edwards right now or is it just kind of that time of the year I think he'll be fine he's very good at basketball yeah they play a bad Morgan State team on Friday um no real reason to play him over 25 minutes I wouldn't think and then you have eight days off until your next game and We'll have some time to just not practice because I assume they'll be home for the holidays. So if he's worn down, he should be fresh pretty yeah, soon after. Over the last four games, he's played 21 minutes, 30 minutes, 22 minutes, 26 minutes. Also probably worth noting that sometimes Byington just kind of says stuff. Yeah. He has like, like there have been some there's been some press conferences over the years where he just sort of like says something. And it doesn't check out or make any sense. So there's a chance that he's just like, I don't know. He's a little, little worn down. But you'd think that, yeah, limiting the minutes a little bit, he should get fresh soon. Yeah. Uh, looking ahead, is Upstate still their only real competition remaining on the schedule? <sighs> I mean, you could always lose an upset game, man, but the Sun Belt just stinks. So I would say yes. Um, March prediction. Are they going to make the tournament? And if so, what's their seed? Because I, I saw recently the most recent bracketology had them at like a six seed. I saw that somewhere. I saw that. Another one had them as like an 11. That seems more accurate. Maybe I could see them. It depends how many games they win, of course. But uh, no, I, I hope. See, yeah, of course. <laughs> I could see. Well, I mean, like if they lose like two games, it's going to hurt their seeding because the schedule is so bad. Can they lose two games and still be an at-large? That's actually a fair question. It probably depends I, on who the two are. So say you lose both of your games to App State. And then you, you don't lose... have any App State wins. Oh, that's a good point. So, okay. So yeah. say you beat App State both times and then you lose. So Louisiana is like the third best team in the Sun Belt. Sure. Say you beat Louisiana and lose to Louisiana once and then maybe lose to like the fourth best team in the Sun Belt right now. Let's call that Southern Miss. And then you lose in the, the championship game or you lose. Sorry, I'm all over the place. You lose to Louisiana once. 
uh-huh. at Louisiana. Then you lose in the Sun Belt Championship game. Can you make it as an at-large? I think so. Okay. But well, it'll you might like sweat. I just think they're going to have enough go their way where like Michigan State beat Baylor by 24 the other day. I think that one will end up looking good enough. Yeah. I think Ken State, Southern Illinois look like decent teams. You're going to have just enough there, I think. Yes, this is a good point. Uh, Alex, I'm so sorry, Alex. Salomonsky, they also get another Mac game in February, Toledo, Akron, or Kent State again. They do it by, yeah, they do it by net. So they're going to play a good Mac team. So that's another opportunity for a quality win. Thank you for adding that. That's big time. At JMU, right? Yeah, because they played at Kent State and pulled off that miracle. (laughs) Five points in three seconds was absolutely electric. Uh, So, yeah, that's about men's basketball right now. It is it's yeah. best start in program history, and for all intents and purposes, they're going to beat Morgan State and move to 12-0 and make it even better in program history. That's right. I think their next loss, if it's a loss, is January 13th against App State. I'll say something. I don't think they're losing. All right. Women's basketball. They were stranded in Maine for three days. They just played Maryland. What happened in that game? A true home alone situation. <laughs> I don't know what I was lost in New York. I had, a, I had a tough stretch there. I'm doing home alone. It's not really home alone. I'm talking about how Holy Cross transfers are the same and they're not. I don't believe that. So I don't know what's going on today. But anyway, they lose to they lose to Maryland by 23. Seemed like they just shot the ball pretty poorly and turned it over a lot, which seems to be um, a bit of a trend when they lose. And that normally is what happens when you lose. You score yeah, most in the other team. You're not gonna, you're not going to shoot it well, <laughs> but like they when they lose, like yes. they really shoot it bad and they really turn it over. <laughs> I, that, that's what happened in the Toledo second half. This is a team that I that that lives by the three and dies by the three. They're just shooters, and when they're not falling, it gets shoot. ugly quick. Shooter shoot. Guess how many made field goals they had, and then how many turnovers they had today against Maryland. Is it like Coppin State, like twenty five made field goals and twenty five turnovers? 20 made field goals, 21 turnovers, but seven made free throws, so they go over the bar that Coffin State set. Thank goodness. Uh, anything else you want to add on this one? They out well, think, Maryland by six. I think that the addition of Heaven Bristow is going to be massive as this season rolls on. Yeah, I would look at them as the Sunbelt favorite now with Bristow. Yeah, she's good. And if, if Pey- it can kind of take some of that load off of Peyton McDaniel where she has some more catch-and-shoot opportunities, I think she'll start to heat up as this season goes along and takes a little bit of the weight. I think bringing Bristow in, it takes a little bit of weight off of a lot of players that allows them to play their position better. Like Hazel, I I think is a monster. If you're asking her to shoot 12 to 15 times in a game, that's not her style of play. Where if you can take some of that off, give it to Bristow, things may run smoother for the offense. You can get a little bit more low post looks with Kozlova. I'm in the camp that you should be feeding it to Kozlova each and every time because she just seemingly can't be stopped down there on the low post. But you start to do that, and, and things, I think, work themselves out. It's it's a lot like, uh, what was it, the, the year from 21 to last season, how they just kind of everything gelled together and they looked a lot better in that next year. I think we'll see that as this year goes on. I would agree with that. Awesome. Anything else you got to add on this episode of the Jamie Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online? No, I think next week maybe we talk briefly, talk a little portal. Um, and by portal, I mean collective. Totally different things. You are on one tonight. <laughs> but I think we um, we had a call, not of like recorded call, but a call where we got some good info from Cliff Wood 
yes. of the Montpelier Collective. And then I think we can share some of that, explain some of that. If you have collective questions, we can get into those. And I imagine we'll have lots of portal updates as we get into then conference play for basketball. Yeah, sounds great. And Bennett, tell your dad happy birthday. I will. For Bennett Collin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Y'all have a wonderful rest of your day. This has been the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, whatever you do, wherever you're listening. We'll talk to you next week. Merry Christmas. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.